It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely, coming at you from the NorthStarSports.media studios here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys as we uh, are set to preview UFC Fight Night Barboza versus Chikazi, which will take place uh, in about an hour here from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, I said it before, but I always say it uh, at the uh, onset of every show. It's great to be back with you guys. Uh, nothing funner than doing uh, some shows here. And uh, not a whole lot of housekeeping, got to be honest with you guys. We've updated our rankings for the last three weeks, uh, so we did that. I'm going to be good about updating them tomorrow, because um, i got to be up bright and, uh, bright and early tomorrow. So, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get the rankings done uh, after uh, tonight's uh, event. And other than that, I mean, you know, as always, we got the main card showdown. I believe we're on NSS 52. So, you know, that's interesting. I still have yet to decide who's going to uh, challenge for the title. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think Reagan Hooverman's on a bit of a winning streak. So, you know, if he gets his picks into me, maybe we'll give him a title shot. Uh, I don't think we're going to give it to Drew, but, you know, you never know. Wait and see. Still got a few hours to decide that. Uh, and outside of that, I mean, I got I got nothing for you. I got nothing for you other than, you know, this uh, fantastic preview. So, uh, you know, let's, uh, because I'm fashionably late in doing my preview, we'll uh, try to run through this as quickly as we can. I know when I normally say that, it, it's, you know, 45 minutes to, you know, an hour. So it never, it never really is that quick, but we'll try to run through uh, some of these. A pretty good uh, fight card, all things considered. You know, not the most stacked uh, fight card, but, you know, which, which fight night card is ever stacked? I mean, that's, you know... I don't think that's ever happened. I mean, they can barely stack pay-per-views sometimes, but uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun matchups on here, and that's really all you can ask for. You can ask for a top ten matchup in in the main event. Uh, I mean, you're gonna find that in almost every single fight night, and then it's, you just you just hope the matchmakers are are doing something uh, correct for the rest of the card. And I think this is a a good one. So it's a twelve fight fight card. We did have. Uh, a lot of canceled fights, and I just kind of wanted to mention a couple of them just because, uh, uh, you know, they're uh, significant. So, obviously, it's the uh, the Ultimate Fighter finale for uh, Season 29. Uh, it was supposed to be uh, Brian Battle and Treshawn Gore uh, for that middleweight uh, finale. Treshawn Gore is out. Uh, I mean, that's not exactly significant in the sense of, I mean, most people probably don't know who Treshawn Gore is, and, you know, obviously he's never made his UFC uh, debut because, you know, that's what the whole season's about. Um, but I guess we'll, I, we'll get to that in a minute, but I just figured it would bear uh, repeating that uh, Treshawn Gore is out of this one. Uh, we also were supposed to have uh, a fight between Sean Brady and Kevin Lee. That's a really, really good matchup, and that's one hell of a fucking fight for Sean Brady, and that's a pretty fucking tough uh, foray up at 170 for Kevin Lee. Fortunately, the uh, match they replaced it with is, uh, I'm going to say, just as good. Just as good. Uh, and, and, of course, we'll get to that. And then we also had uh, top 10 bantamweights, Ketlin Vieira and uh, Sarah McMahon out. Uh, I mean, that's only significant because they're they're in the top 10. That's a very weak division, but... You know, maybe one of them can do something. I'd look more towards Ketlin Vieira just because she's younger and hasn't had that crack uh, at the top. But I guess we'll have to wait for that one. I'm not sure if they uh, rescheduled that one. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get right to the uh, prelim headliner. Prelim opener, excuse me. Uh, it's going to be in the uh, stacked bantamweight division, although this is not a very stacked fight, i got to be honest. Uh, we'll have Mana Martinez taking on uh, Guido Canetti. Martinez is eight and two. Kennedy is eight and five. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds uh, coming from Odds Shark, uh, and I guess more specifically coming from uh, the opening, because I guess they, uh, I guess Odds Shark doesn't really uh, do odds; they just kind of aggregate uh, odds. 
And we'll have uh, Mana Martinez as the minus 350 favorite, which is pretty fucking significant, especially for a guy who's uh, not really that highly touted, who's making his UFC debut. Uh, he's 25 years old, two-fight winning streak. He's won his last two fights uh, in under a minute. Uh, he did fight on the Contender Series back in 2020, lost to uh, Draco Rodriguez. Uh, this is definitely a finisher. He finished uh, Ricky Tercios back in Fury uh, FC uh, in, in 2018. So, you know, that's uh, it's, it's funny how stuff like that works. You know, Tercios, obviously, we'll talk about him, uh, you know, well, a handful of minutes from now. I was going to say a few minutes from now, but, you know, 30 minutes from now, we'll talk about Ricky Tercios. And uh, so it's, you know... MMA math is a really fun thing, how that works out, and, you know, just, uh, it's a small world when it comes to stuff like this, so that's, uh, that's interesting. He also, uh, notably has a split decision loss in his second ever professional fight to, uh, Delani Perry, who you might remember from, uh, season 27 of The Ultimate Fighter, the one that was coached by, uh, Cormier and Miocic, uh, that's Delani the fight god Perry, who, uh, turned out to be a mere mortal not uh he's not a fight god so uh false advertising on that one uh i normally don't like people making their ufc debut unless they have a really solid uh record outside of the promotion or just have a bunch of fights you know like uh derek minner making his ufc debut okay this guy has 35 fights on the regional scene i'm not exactly concerned that uh you know he's he's gonna handle it badly it's still a debut and and, and whatnot, but uh, thankfully for Martinez, he's going up against a 41-year-old bantamweight, and uh, that's all I need to say about Guido Canetti. He, he's 41 years old, and, and he's a bantamweight. That's that's like a heavyweight fighting at 58 years old. I mean, that's just beyond ancient. He's been finished in his last two fights. He's lost, Jesus, six of his last eight. Uh, he will certainly be cut after this one. Uh, probably doesn't belong in the UFC anyway, and just 41. I don't, dude. I don't give a shit if TJ Dillashaw was 41 years old. I'd pick him to lose every single fight he would ever be matched up against. Not saying it's impossible to win as as a 41 year old, but dude, if you're 41 at bantamweight, I, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I'm picking you to lose no matter what. I'd pick you to lose against a small child if you were 41 and and uh, a bantamweight. So, you know. Uh, that's just uh, a recipe for disaster there. So, Mano Martinez will probably have a really nice uh, debut. It, it'll probably be a, a, a solid knockout. Kennedy's just very slow, very slow fighter, which makes sense because he's old. All right, moving on. Uh, we have a featherweight fight between Pat Sabatini and Jamal Emers. Sabatini is 14 and three. Emers is 18 and five. Taking a look at the odds here. And we'll have Emmers being the minus 117 favorite. Uh, Sabatini is the minus 103 favorite, according to uh, the, the opening. So somehow they're both uh, favorites. Uh, should be a pretty uh, close fight. Both of these guys have a handful of uh, UFC appearances uh, under their record. Uh, Sabatini's 30 years old. Three-fight winning streak. He won his debut in the UFC uh, back in April against Tristan Connolly. Not exactly the uh, toughest uh, person to debut against. So, you know, Jamal Emers is a good striker. Uh, I think he's a good striker. Uh, a little tall uh, for featherweight. So, you know, a tall, a tall, lanky striker uh, who's 1-1 uh, and in the uh, UFC. He won his last fight uh, a little more than a year ago against Vince Cachero, but he made his debut against Giga Chikadze. actually took him to a uh, split decision loss. So he was pretty competitive there with old uh, old Giga Chikadze. Uh, he also uh, fought on the uh, Contender Series, got knocked out by uh, Julian Arosa, who some some people call him Juicy J. I would not. I would not call him that, but uh, some people have called him that before. Um, I, I really don't have a lot committed in the uh, in the memory bank to uh, Pat Sabatini, but I know Emers is a good striker, uh, and uh, I, I'm gonna go with Jamal Emers on this one. Uh, moving on now to the uh, female flyweight division. We'll have a fight between J.J. Aldrich and Vanessa Demopoulos. Aldrich is 9-4, Demopoulos 6-3. Taking a look at the odds, Aldrich will be the uh, minus 220 favorite. Um, interesting fight. Uh, Demopoulos was uh, a champion over in the uh, LFA 
making her UFC debut here. She fought uh, on the Contender Series, uh, lost pretty badly to Corey McKenna, who uh, was barely an adult at the time. Corey McKenna, I think, was probably just turned 19, maybe 20, maybe 20, but I want to say she was 19. Uh, so that's that's never good when you're a, a grown adult and you uh, lose to a small child. Uh, goes without saying, I'm going to go with uh, J.J. Aldrich on this one. Uh, making your UFC debut, only having nine pro fights. I get she was a champion in the LFA, and the LFA is definitely a legit breeding grounds for UFC talent, but uh, she looked pretty out of place uh, on the Contender Series. Uh, since then, she uh, lost to uh, Lupita Godinez, uh, who only had four pro fights, and then uh, Godinez is now in the UFC. Uh, I forget who she fought, but she got fucked over in her debut. Uh, and then uh, rebound win against uh, Cynthia Arcio, who I've uh, I've never heard of. Uh, I think this is a short notice fight, so I think they're just looking for somebody to uh, to fill in. Aldrich is tough. Aldrich Aldrich is a, a pretty underrated fighter. Uh, kind of struggles to find uh, a, a weight class to commit to, but. You know, she's got a couple of nice wins. I mean, a win over Pollyanna Viana, a win over Danielle Taylor, who, uh, well, as of yesterday, was a champ in uh, Invicta, got knocked out in uh, highlight fashion. Uh, but a win over uh, Lauren Mueller, split decision win over Courtney Casey. So I think she's a tough fighter. I don't think her ceiling is that high, but I don't think her floor is that low either. I mean, I think we're seeing, you know, right where she's going to be. I mean, she's, she's, she's going to... She's going to be a good litmus test for people coming into the UFC, and I don't think uh, Demopolis is uh, up to her standard. So, you know, Aldrich is not exactly a finisher. Uh, in fact, uh, she's got two finishers in her pro career, none in the UFC. So I'm going to go uh, unanimous decision here for uh, J.J. Aldrich. All right, moving on now to the light heavyweight division. We'll have a fight between Dustin Jacoby and Darren Stewart. Jacoby is 14-5-1, Stewart 12-7. and We'll take a look at the odds here. And Jacoby will be the minus-175 favorite. Uh, this is uh, not a fight I would put money on. I would not put money on this fight in either direction. I think this is going to be... Uh, probably the fight of the night on the prelims. Actually, I'm very confident that this will be the fight of the night on, on the prelims. Potentially fight of the night uh, overall, although there's uh, you know, a couple of matchups I'm looking at that probably are going to be fight of the night on the main card. But this is this is a good fight. I like it. Uh, but I would not I, I would not feel comfortable saying, oh, I know that Jacoby's going to win or I know Stewart's going to win. These guys don't win pretty, especially Darren Stewart. Darren Stewart does not win pretty. He wins very, very dirty. He's a grinder. Uh, he's a he's a fucking yoked guy. Uh, a very powerful guy. And, you know, Jacoby, what was it? Not K1, but um, glory kickboxer. So his, stri- his striking is really good. Uh, you know, but it'll be interesting to see how, you know, he handles himself in the clinch. I think that's probably where Stewart wants to take it I would I would say Stewart probably has a wrestling advantage here uh, as well and uh, just looking at his picture I imagine he has a lot of top pressure and again with the uh, you know Darren Stewart loses ugly and he wins ugly he's just an ugly fighter uh, which uh, I'm not saying in a bad way you know he's an ugly, an ugly fighter but man you, it, it's tough to shine against him I mean let's not forget he took Kevin Holland to a, a split decision loss uh, he has a split decision loss to Edmund Shabazian. I mean, those are two golden boys of his division, and they even they struggled to fucking look good against Darren Stewart. I mean, w- one of the judges in both of those fights thought that Stewart had won. So, you know, very, very dirty. Uh, you know, high potential that there's a finish in this fight. I mean, these are these are gritty guys. They're not guys with glass chins, but uh, they, they do have pretty good uh, finishing power. Uh, Stewart hasn't won since, uh, well, a little more than uh, a year ago where he uh, choked out Maki Patolo. Uh, probably needs a win here to save his job. Uh, I could have swore he retired, or maybe I'm uh, confusing him with someone else. I mean, he, he, he's a carbon copy of Tyron Woodley uh, in the face just at uh, at 2.05. Uh, but, you know, he, he's going to need a win to, to, to keep his job. Uh, very active fighter too. I mean, he he came off of uh, 
Uh, actually, no. What the fuck am I talking about? No, but either way, he's a, he's a very active fighter. Same with Jacoby. Uh, if I have to pick a fighter here, I'm I'm going to go with uh, Dustin Jacoby. I just think he's the better striker. Uh, you know, he's he's pretty hard to beat. I mean, he's undefeated. Uh, you know, he has that uh, split decision draw against uh, Kutalaba in his last fight. But, you know, he's, he's a, a good striker. It's just, you know, can he stop a takedown? And uh, can he, uh, you know... I don't know, maybe he wants to be in the clinch for all I know, but I probably wouldn't want to get in the clinch against Darren Stewart. But, uh, you know, if I have to pick somebody here, I'm going to go with uh, Dustin Jacoby, even though he is, uh, well, these striking stats are not looking very good for Dustin Jacoby. Um, 1.8 significant strikes landed per minute. He absorbs 3.52. His defense is pretty good at 61%, but he lands 24%. God damn. I might go Darren Stewart on this one, to be honest with you. You know, I'm going to switch it. I'm going to go Darren Stewart. Uh, those numbers really dissuaded me from picking Dustin Jacoby. Those are fucking terrible. Uh, yeah. And if that's his bread and butter, uh, which is being a striker, that's uh, not a good sign. So, you know, I'm going to side with the stats on this one. I'm going to go with Darren Stewart. All right, moving on. Uh, we'll bump down a division here to 185, where we'll have Sam Alvey taking on Wellington Terman. Alvi is 33, 15, and 1. Terman is 16, and 5. We'll take a look at the odds, and they will have Wellington Terman as the minus 129 favorite. Uh, some of the other books have it as essentially a pick 'em. Uh, I find that interesting. I, I really find that interesting. Uh, Sam, Sam Alvi's a good fighter, and he's, he's a finisher as well, which I think is lost uh, on, on a lot of people. Uh, he, he's on a hell of a losing streak uh, at, at this point. Uh, he hasn't won in his last uh, six fights. Uh, five losses, uh, three fi- losses that were finishes, and then a split decision against Daun Jung. Uh, but, you know, he's a, he's a crafty, crafty veteran uh, getting up there in age at 35. Has a shit ton of experience. Um, and, you know, is not going to be a, a walk in the park. I mean, I, I guess the uh, the hesitation for for me is I don't really think a whole ton about uh, I don't really think a whole lot about Wellington Terman. Uh, he's been knocked out in the first round in his last two fights. He has a uh, one UFC win over Marcus Perez, so he's he's one in three in the UFC. Um, I mean, I guess with that awful losing streak that Alvi has, it's I guess it's kind of hard to have him be the favorite. But you know, it's not like Terman's doing much better, and Terman has fought uh, you know. Uh, a lot lower competition than Sam Alvey. I mean, Andrew Sanchez is good. He's he's underrated, and especially now that he's figured out striking, I, I think uh, Andrew Sanchez is is probably somebody to watch out for. Um, but you look at you know, he, he fought Little Nog, Jimmy Crute, Ryan Spann on this losing streak. Went to a split decision with Ryan Spann, so you know he's fighting some pretty tough guys. Uh, I, I like Julian Marquez. It's got you know I think a lot of people forgot about him because of that like two year layoff he had, but. Uh, I'm going to go with Sam Elvey on this one. I'm going to go with the slight underdog. I think he's crafty. Uh, you know, he, he has a high fight IQ. Physically, you know, he might not all be there. You know, it's not like he's chiseled out of marble, but, you know, he he has a very high IQ, and that's I think that's going to be pretty apparent against Wellington Terman, who's a guy who has, you know, about half of the experience that Sam Elvey has and probably, you know, fucking a fifth of the UFC experience that Sam Elvey has, so... I'm going to go Sam Alvey by, uh, well, I guess by finish. I guess by finish. And, you know, he's capable of choking somebody out just as much as he is knocking somebody out. But I'm going to go knockout. I'm going to say he knocks out Wellington Terman in round three. All right, moving on to the prelim headliner. It's going to be in the middleweight division. It's going to be between Abdul Razak Alhassan and Alessio DiCirico. Alhassan is 10 and 4. DiCirico is 13 and 5. We'll take a look at the odds here. And DiCirico will be the minus 155 favorite. Um, nice little headliner here on the prelims. Uh, you know, not uh, elite prospects, not, uh, you know, former champions, nothing that's going to blow your socks off, but, you know, just two pretty hard hitting uh, middleweights. Uh, now, Al Hassan, 
He's 36. He's on a three-fight losing streak, and that is is not good. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who's known for having just fucking insane power, which I'm sure he still has. I'm sure he still has insane power. He might be the hardest-hitting 185-pound fighter currently under the UFC banner. Uh, I, I can't think of anybody who's a more powerful striker at 185. I mean, he's just fucking brutal. And he doesn't win by decision. So if DiCirico makes it out of the first round, it's a foregone conclusion that he wins this fight. I mean, if Al Hassan wins, it's I promise you it's going to be by first round KO and only by first round KO. If if DiCirico is conscious at the end of the uh, first bell, He's won this fight. We can. Just, we don't even need to fight the next two rounds. Just give it to DiCirico. Um, but he, he was in a war against Munir Lezez, and that really kicked off his uh, his losing streak. That was a pretty good fight. Got knocked out with uh, a, a punch right down the pipe uh, against Chaos Williams in 30 seconds. But the real kick in the nuts with Abdul Razak Alhassan was his loss to J- Jacob Malkoon. Now, that's a very, very bad loss. Because that's a guy who's only in the UFC because he's a training partner of Robert Whitaker. He's a guy who came over at, uh, at, at 4 and 0, got brutally. Who did he? Who did he lose to that just viciously knocked him out? Phil Hayes, Phil Hawes. Uh, Phil Hawes brutally knocked him out in his home country in 18 seconds, and then he comes back and just w- works. Al Hassan just wrestled the fucking piss out of him, outstruck him too, just utter domination. So that's. That's a real kick in the nuts, and that was only four months ago. So, ooh, I'm I'm not going with Al Hassan on this one. He can win, and he can shut the lights out on a fucking elephant if he wanted. But, but I'm definitely not going to pick him against uh, Di Chirico, who was on a pretty bad losing streak uh, over like the last couple of years before he knocked out uh, Joaquin Buckley with a head kick. So, that's a that's a pretty high profile win. That was the fight after Buckley knocked out. Um, Goddamn, uh, uh, Impa Kisanganai with that highlight level uh, uh, spinning switch kick or whatever the fuck people call it. Um, so, you know, crafty UFC veteran has had some wins, had a win over uh, Julian Marquez, uh, you know, but it had, uh, had three unanimous decision losses, which, you know, was not very good. But, you know, mentally strong, turned it around. He's he's 1-0 in the year of uh, 2021. So uh, I want to go with Alessio DiCirico on this one, probably by unanimous decision, although... He, you know, we saw against Buckley. I mean, he has the power to put people out. So, uh, but but I'm gonna go unanimous decision. I think he just outworks him and wins this one. All right, now moving on to the main card opener. A very interesting fight yet again here in the uh, middleweight division uh, between Gerald Mearshart and Mahmoud Muradov. Mearshart is 32 and 14. Muradov is 25. And six. We'll take a look at the odds here. And uh, Muradov, depending on where you look, so I trust the opening, and they say he's a minus 350 favorite, but if you look at Bovada, Bet Online, Intertops, and Sports Betting, Muradov is a fucking massive minus 650 favorite. Uh, so safe to say I'm going with Muradov on this one. I, you know, I hate to spoil it at, at the onset of the, uh, the fight prediction, but I'm, I'm definitely going to go with. Uh, Muradov. In fact, let me just look up and down the uh, list here. You know, it's the mailman's lock of the week. It's the mailman's lock of the week. Uh, really good striker. Maybe maybe a top five striker at middleweight currently. I mean, obviously he's got to fight you know some tougher competition. But th- this guy, nobody's. Well, fuck. I guess Israel Adesanya is in his division, but there's there's rarely ever going to be a matchup where Muradov is is you know not going to be favored in the striking. I mean, this guy's really fucking good. Uh, affiliation with the Money Team, the pride of Tajikistan, uh, which we all know is the best of all the stands. I've said this for years now. Tajikistan, you know, number one of the stands. Uh, so maybe controversial if we have listeners out in uh, Central Asia. Um, but, you know, it's it's the classic striker versus grappler here. Uh, Mirshard is not going to be able to hold a candle to uh, Muradov uh, in, in the striking department. But, you know, in, in the same token, it is a complete red alert DEFCON. Now, what's the deal with DEFCON? One is bad. 
right? DEFCON 5 is not bad. That's, like, alert. DEFCON 1 is, like, shit's happening. So I believe it's DEFCON 1 if Muradov gets taken down by Mirshart. That is terrible fucking news because Mirshart is so good on the ground. I mean, you're rarely going to find a situation where Mirshart is not going to be favored on the ground. He's very, very good, very dangerous when it comes to submissions. Um, so it, it, in a sense, it, it really feels like a matchup from, like, 1996 UFC where it's like striker versus grappler and obviously I'm oversimplifying it because you know I'm sure Mearshart has been training striking forever and I'm sure Muradov has also trained on the ground but um, you know it, it, it really feels like that uh, again I'm going to go with Muradov because uh, Mearshart has so, shown a real susceptibility to uh, striking we saw that against Hamza Jemayev got knocked out in 17 seconds even if you want to say that's a fluke you know, a 17-second knockout, that's fine, but got knocked out in one round by Ian Heinisch. Uh, you know, and he's also been choked out as well. Um, although, you know, against some pretty good uh, grapplers, uh, losing a lot more fights than he's uh, winning these days. And uh, Muradov is obviously on a, a pretty impressive uh, winning streak. Uh, his, you know, the majority of fights have uh, been uh, knockouts as well. Uh, looking to go 4-0 and in the uh, the UFC, and I think he'll get it. And again, you know, I was talking pretty glowingly about uh, Andrew Sanchez, and, uh, you know, I, I think um, uh, that's that's a pretty, uh, I don't want to say high-level win there for, for Muradov, but that, that's a real good litmus test, you know, especially because Sanchez, Sanchez comes from that wrestling background and, again, like I said, has some improved uh, striking. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be... A little bit of a coming out party from Muradov, um, but uh, yeah, we'll go uh, Muradov by round two knockout. All right, sorry for a little break there. Uh, we had a captain breaking into my room, so uh, you know that was uh, interesting. He's not normally a, a downstairs type of a dog, but we have captain live uh, in the uh, in the studio, so we'll obviously get his picks for the uh, the main card showdown. Uh, now we'll be moving on to our fourth consecutive middleweight bout here between Andre Petrosky and Michael Gilmore. Uh, both of them uh, are making their UFC debut. Uh, Petrosky is 5-1. Gilmore is going to be 6-3. He also spells his name uh, incorrectly. I've never seen anybody spell Michael M-I-C-H-E-A-L. I've never seen that before. Uh, just objectively, the the wrong way to spell Michael. So that's uh, a bit unfortunate. Uh, obviously, both of these guys uh, are coming off of the most recent season of the uh, Ultimate Fighter. Uh, and I, I got to be honest, I'm pretty fucking surprised to see Michael Gilmore uh, get into the UFC. Uh, he did not have a very good performance on the Ultimate Fighter, uh, albeit obviously it was short notice and, you know, he was, he was thrown in there. But uh, that was, he did not have a very good uh, performance, uh, and uh, you know I think he's still going to struggle here in the uh, the UFC. But uh, professionally, he's on a three-fight winning streak. Uh, has has shown uh, you know he's not, not exactly the greatest on the ground. Uh, Petrovsky, obviously pretty green in his career. He is 30. Uh, he is a good striker, he, and he is a finisher uh, as well. Pretty solid uh, amateur background as well so maybe maybe you know five and one is not exactly uh, accurate there uh he lost his last professional fight against uh aaron jeffrey uh over in the uh the lfa and i gotta be honest you know when through the first couple of episodes of the ultimate fighter i really saw i really thought petrosky was going to be the guy to win it at middleweight obviously you know spoiler alert this is not the middleweight finale that's uh, a couple of fights from now so you know it didn't go his way but, uh, you know, I, I still think he's uh, somebody to watch out for. Uh, obviously, the UFC does this every single time there's the Ultimate Fighter. Whatever event the Ultimate Fighter finale is on, they always take a couple of losers from the, the season and, and have them fight. They've just done that historically for a long time. Probably forever, actually. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if he's ready for his... I don't think if it... I mean... I don't think if he was fighting an actual UFC fighter, he'd be ready. Obviously, Michael Gilmore is just another guy from the show. You know, I think if he, if Petrovsky was going to fight, well, Andrew Sanchez to, to bring him up for a third time uh, in the last 10 minutes, I think if he were to fight, you know, any of your unranked middleweights, for the most part, he would get fucking worked over. But 
you know, it's a nice little uh, dipping your toe in the UFC. I, I think it's going to be a pretty easy... Actually, I shouldn't say easy because Gilmore's strength is, is striking, but, you know, I don't know. Protoski's a, a good striker. I think he's a good prospect. You probably would have seen him on the Contender Series, to be honest, uh, if he wasn't on the Ultimate Fighter. So uh, I'm going to go Petrosky by round three knockout. I'm going to say it takes him a little bit of time. Uh, moving on, we have a welterweight fight here between Kevin Lee and Daniel Rodriguez. Lee is 18-6, and six, Rodriguez 15-2. and two. Take a look at the odds here. Oh, and excuse me, the odds for Petrosky, minus 600 favorites, so obviously the fucking, you know, people at the sports books feel pretty confident he's going to win. Uh, now, as the odds pertain here to Lee and Rodriguez, we're going to have Lee as the minus 130 favorite. Uh, he's a slight favorite in all of the uh, sports books. Props to Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee is a real G. This is, I mean, I, we've known this for a long time, obviously, but it's just, you know, you, you see it in everything he does. You know, this was supposed to be Kevin Lee and Sean Brady. Now, that is fucking ballsy of Kevin Lee to fight Sean. I mean, a lot of people think Sean Brady is going to be, like, fighting for a title in the next couple of years. Like, that. everybody speaks so glowingly about him. And he's a massive, fucking massive welterweight. D-Rod's a pretty big welterweight as well. Kevin Lee is a pretty big lightweight. He's a pretty... Uh, somewhat small welterweight. He's not the smallest welterweight, but, you know, he's he would fit in really well at 165. I'll tell you that much. I mean, that's a shame they don't have a, a 165. Uh, and it's a shame that it's a 15-pound difference between lightweight and welterweight. I mean, that's just most people are going to come... Most people, if they were to fight, would either be a lightweight or a welterweight. So... It, it's really fucking stupid in my mind how there's a 15-pound difference. I mean, I would completely re... Well, not completely, but I, I would significantly revamp the uh, UFC divisions. This might be a talking point for another day, but, you know, how there's not a division between 205 and fucking uh, 265, how there's, you know, a uh, 20-pound gap between middle middleweight and light heavyweight. I mean, I think uh, there should be a weight class every 10 pounds. That just makes the most amount of sense to me move uh move welterweight down to 165 or i mean call 165 whatever the fuck you want to call it have 175 185 195 205 maybe like a 225 and then uh, a 265 or fuck it's open weight just open weight i mean nobody who's 350 pounds is a good fighter but you know god bless them if they want to walk in at 365 um that was a bit of a tangent there uh this is a very tough one. Arguably just as tough as fighting Sean Brady. Daniel Rodriguez is the real deal, and I really struggle to pick somebody in this fight uh, because I, I don't want to be, you know, y'all must have forgot with Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee is very, very dangerous. It doesn't matter if you're seeing a lot of red on his record. He's lost four of his last six fights. Well, okay, I mean, Tony Ferguson, the boogeyman of the division, in his and that was in Tony Ferguson's prime. Alia Quinta, I think that was more of a stylistic thing. That's kind of a bad loss, if, if I'm being honest. Uh, but, you know, Rafael dos Anjos, yeah, he's a pretty good fighter. Charles Oliveira, he's the, the champion. So, I mean, it, it just goes to the point of, of, of the matchmaking with Rodriguez and, and Sean Brady. Kevin Lee doesn't take easy fights. He does not take easy fights. There, there, there's no rebound fight for Kevin Lee. And uh, I just want people to know that if Kevin Lee wins, because, you know, a lot of people might not know Daniel Rodriguez. And, you know, maybe they might go, well, I don't know who he is, so, okay, this is his rebound win. Well, it's a rebound win, but it's, you know, against a fucking absolute killer. Um, so just know that. Just know that. Um, I don't like Kevin Lee at welterweight. I got to be honest. What was it? He fought RDA at welterweight? I swear he's I swear he's had a welterweight fight before. I swear he's tried welterweight before. Um, but I, I don't like him at welterweight. I, he's just... If he wants to be champion, I think he has to be at 155. Uh, you know, and I'm sure he cuts a massive amount of weight. I just feel like there's got to be a better way to fight at 155. He's so good at 155. Uh, it's it's just, I don't know. There are some real big boys. I mean, could you imagine Kevin Lee fighting? You know, say, Kev, say Kevin Lee beats Daniel Rodriguez and, and catches on fire and starts winning a bunch of welterweight fights. 
Could you imagine him fighting Kamaru Usman? Kamaru Usman would work him so bad, and it's not because Usman is so much more talented than Kevin Lee. It, it's just weight classes exist for a reason. You know, Usman's only two inches taller than Kevin Lee. Uh, you know, Kevin Lee's 5'10", Usman six foot, but the the difference in the body types, it would just be so fucking apparent. He would get, he'd get worked. Um, so we'll see how this goes. And, you know, he's a relatively young guy too. He's 28 years old. So, you know, it's not like he's 37 and you're telling him to go back down to lightweight, but whatever, you know, in regards to this fight here, I'm, I'm going to be curious about the, uh, the, the wrestling that happens in this fight. The wrestling advantage has to go to Kevin Lee. I feel very confident in that. And, you know, Kevin Lee's a dangerous striker, but Daniel Rodriguez, I mean, that's his thing. He's a striker. Uh, he land, he's very active as well. Eight significant strikes per minute. Only gets hit with 5.71, which sounds like a lot, but then when you consider his activity, you know, he's outstriking his opponents by 2.3 significant strikes per minute. Kevin Lee, not, uh, not as active. Uh, the, 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 you know, the, the significant strike percentages are also down just a little bit, but... You know, you really see the, uh, you know, wrestling advantage for Kevin Lee when you look at takedowns per 15 minutes, 3.2. Daniel Rodriguez, it's one even. Uh, pretty solid takedown defense for both of these guys, so it's not going to be a given. Kevin Lee takes down Daniel Rodriguez, uh, and obviously he's far more active with uh, searching for uh, submissions. I really, really want to go with Daniel Rodriguez, who is undefeated in the UFC. I don't know if you know if you knew that, but he didn't lose to Nicholas Dalby. That was one of uh, uh, the worst judging decisions of 2020. He is undefeated, wins over Tim Means, Gabe Green, Dwight Grant, uh, Dalby, Mike Perry, Preston Parsons. This is a huge step up in competition for him. But at the same time, he's 34. He's not a young kid. And he's he's staying very active. He's only been in the UFC for two years. He fights every three months. So he's he's right in the swing of things. Conversely, you look at Kevin Lee. This is a guy who has not fought in a year and a half. He's been dealing with knee injuries with... Didn't he have a neck injury or something? You know, he's had a lot of injuries. Now, I assume because he's fighting, he's going to be healthy. I assume he didn't take a, a fight with a busted knee, but... You know, it's a pretty significant layoff. He, you know, he really wasn't even that active uh, before then. Uh, so it's tough. It's tough. I think Kevin Lee is more special than Daniel Rodriguez, but that striking is going to be really, really difficult. And that's kind of something. I mean, let's not forget, you know, and, and Oliveira's made strides in his striking over the last couple of fights, but he really got outstruck pretty badly by Charles Oliveira. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe he lost a step with his striking. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Kevin Lee on this one. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Kevin Lee just because I think... I think he, he's... I don't want to say he's made of better stuff, but, you know, he's a grinder. He is a very special fighter. Kind of gotten under, you know, some, some hard times here, but... He's a, he's a good striker. He's a powerful striker. So is Rodriguez. The left... You know, Daniel Rodriguez reminds me of OSP. Anything from his left side is just deadly. I mean, he's, he's a southpaw. He, he strikes pretty fucking hard with his, his left hand. Pretty good left kicks as well. But the, you know, the, the level of competition is going to be a lot higher for Kevin Lee. He's more used to, you know, pressure situations. You know, albeit this is, it is a main card, but, you know, it's not a co-main. It's not a main event. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Kevin Lee gets it done. But I, I really think he's going to have to lean back on his, you know, wrestling base. I, I don't know if he can just sit there and outstrike Daniel Rodriguez. That's a, a fairly substantial task uh, if he did that. But, again, I say it every time. I don't mean to cop out when I say this because, make no mistake, my pick is Kevin Lee. But it, it would not surprise me at all if Daniel Rodriguez won. I mean, we're really splitting hairs here. I mean, these are two really, really high-level strikers. One we know about, or high-level strikers, high-level fighters. One we know about in Kevin Lee, and one who's a little bit more of an unknown in Daniel Rodriguez. But very well could be his coming-out party here. But we're going to Kevin Lee by unanimous decision. All right, moving on now to the co-co-main event of the evening. It's going to be for the Ultimate Fighter Season 29 Bantamweight 
uh, finale. It's going to be between Ricky Tercios and Brady Heastant. Tercios is 10 and 2. Heastant is 5 and 1. We'll take a look at the odds. Tercios is going to be the minus 170 favorite. Uh, definitely not who I, I thought would be uh, in the bantamweight finale. Uh, I didn't really think a whole lot about Tercios. I didn't really think a whole lot about He Stand. Uh, but you know, here we are. Here we are. Uh, you know, they, it, it's kind of funny listening to like the storytelling in the show because you know, like the first couple of episodes, what was it? Well, because Mitch Raposo was like the first pick in the draft. And everybody's like, oh, shit, this is a 22-year-old phenom. And then, you know, he loses he loses on the first episode. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, you know, that's the ultimate fighter for you. I mean, preconceived notions mean nothing because we're going to get down to the bottom of it. But, uh, yeah, no, this uh, this will be a, a good fight. You know, he's stand probably more of a, a wrestler, more of a ground guy. Tercio is a pretty good striker. Both are pretty tall for, for bantamweight. You know, lanky. Both have 71 uh, inch reaches, uh, 5'9 for Tercios, 5'8 for Heastant. Uh, and and Terci- Tercios is, is young, he's 28, but Heastant is, uh, I don't know, what, what is he, 23 years old, 22 years old. So he would be a pretty young uh, guy, doesn't have the uh, experience that Tercios has. Uh, obviously, Tercios, we saw him on the uh, Contender Series uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, actually, 2017. So he was on the first season. And he lost to uh, Boston Salmon. Since then, he's gone uh, two and one. Uh, had the the aforementioned loss to Mana Martinez, and obviously a really quirky guy, uh, interesting guy, um, and more more or less, I look at this as a, as a pick'em. Uh, he stand. He's resilient. I'll give him that. I mean, what was it? His, his fight against the uh, Josh Reddinghouse. Boy, did he struggle. Boy, did he struggle in a lot of his uh, his fights. I did not see the last couple of episodes, so I don't know how his last fight... I don't know how anybody's last fight went because uh, I just kind of lost interest in the uh, the Ultimate Fighter. But uh, he, he struggled, and you can tell he's 22 years old, but I just think he's he's got raw talent. He's got a raw, t- raw talent. I don't think he's going up against an absolute killer uh, in, in Ricky Tercios, uh, someone who's just a dominant heavy favorite where you go, boy, that's a tall task. It, it's not going to be easy. I think it's another ugly win for uh, Brady Heastan. All right, now moving on to the co-main event of the evening and it's going to be for the uh ultimate fighter 29 middleweight uh, season finale uh it's going to be between brian battle and gilbert urbina battle is five and one urbina six and one uh we'll take a look at the odds here and battle is going to be the minus 182 favorite according to uh the opening uh, obviously, like I said, this was supposed to be Treshawn Gore taking on Brian Battle, but uh, he fell out with an injury, so Ger- Gilbert Urbina uh, steps in here. Um, I got to be honest, outside outside of Petrosky, who I thought was going to win the season, I, I probably was most impressed by Brian Battle. I, I think he's a well-rounded guy. Uh, I'm going to pick him to win this one. I think he would have beat Treshawn Gore. And Treshawn Gore will get a shot in the UFC, so, you know, it's unfortunate that you'd put in all this work and you don't get a fight in the uh, season finale, but, uh, you know, Treshawn Gore will get a, get a shot in the UFC, no doubt. Uh, but Brian Battle, you know, we, we saw he's, he's a good striker. He's going to have a slight uh, reach advantage, pretty sizable height advantage uh, on Urbina. Uh, good ground fighter. I, I don't really think a whole lot about Gilbert Urbina. And uh, his family's cursed when it comes to the Ultimate Fighter. He probably did the best of uh, all three Urbina brothers, but well, I'm never going to see the day. I don't know if they have a fourth Urbina brother, but I'm I'm not going to see the day where an Urbina wins a uh, Ultimate Fighter championship. So, you know, his family's cursed when it comes to the Ultimate Fighter. I don't think that uh, he's going to get it done. I think uh, Brian Battle, uh, rightfully so, should be the favorite. Uh, both of those guys don't have a whole lot of professional uh, experience, so it's not like somebody. It's not like Urbina sitting here with 20 fights or 15 fights or anything like that. Uh, you know, both of them are, are are pretty young, 
And, uh, you know, Brian Battle definitely has the ability to uh, choke out Urbina, just like Urbina does, but I think Battle's the uh, the better striker. So I'm going to go with Brian Battle to win this one. We'll go by unanimous decision. All right, now moving on to the main event of the evening. It's going to be in the featherweight division between Edson Jr. Barboza and Giga Ninja Chikadze. That's a new one. I don't think he had that nickname in his last fight. Absolutely fucking hate it. Really stupid nickname. Giga Ninja Chikadze. That's uh, fucking awful. That's really bad. Really bad. Um, Very uninspiring. Although, maybe not uh, inaccurate. Uh, I said this on the last show. I mean, styles make fights. Um, You know, this is not a matchup here that has huge implications. You know, the winner of this fight doesn't fight next for the title. Neither of these guys are in the top five. Neither of these guys are champions. Uh, You know, whoever wins this fight is still going to be two or three wins away from from challenging Volkanovski, but uh, it's just a fun fight. It's just a fun fight. I'm not, I'm not saying it's irrelevant. Both of these guys could be contenders. I guess technically they are contenders because they're ranked and in the top 10, but uh, it, it's just let's take the two best strikers in the featherweight division and let's put them together. So I think we're in for a very high-level striking fight. Uh, fucking spoiler alert. I mean, I'm... I'm blowing your mind there by saying this is going to be a high level striking fight but you know it's when it's true it's true and I'm very happy that it's five rounds I think it would you'd be doing a disservice if this was a 15 minute fight you know this this one had to be a main event on a fight night I mean 15 minutes just does not do it justice they have as much time as they need as much time as they want to try to figure this out uh, both are pretty tall lanky 145ers Chikadze is six foot even Barboza's 5'11 uh, they both got pretty good reach uh, as well. Both of them uh, sitting there at uh, 75 inches. And uh, obviously we've known Chikadze as a featherweight in the UFC, but Barboza has spent the majority of his career at 155. He might be the biggest featherweight on the roster. He gets right next to death's door to make 145. Looks like an absolute skeleton, absolutely shredded. I have no idea how he does it. I'm pretty sure he said it's not even that hard or like his weight cuts at 155 were worse. I don't fucking know about that. I, he looks very bad, very bad for, you know, during the, the weight cut. But I don't know, man, he, he makes the weight. So he's never missed weight at 145. So, you know, he can do it. But um, th- we're really going to be splitting hairs here when it comes to striking. I mean, the, these guys are, are very, very good strikers. I'd say Barboza probably has variety on his side. I mean, he could he could knock you out with a head kick, with a body kick, with a low kick, with a spinning kick, with a fucking jumping knee, you know, with... Well, I don't know if he's done it with elbows, but, you know, he's, he's very much an eight-point striker. I mean, he, he can knock you out however he wants. He He's somebody, you know, as Kevin Lee found out, and, you know, Kevin Lee still got the win, but... You could be you could be winning 23 and a half minutes of that fight, but if you don't mind your P's and Q's in the fa- in, in the last 90 seconds, he's going to knock you out. I mean, that's just, you know, he's a very durable fighter. He has been finished, you know, a handful of times, but he's a very, very durable fighter. He can take a lot of damage. He's pretty hard to put away. You know, his cardio's, his cardio's good. His cardio's good. I, 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 we're really going to get down to the bottom of, of if his cardio is good at 145 through, you know, the course of potentially 25 minutes. That's definitely a question mark. Um, but, you know, he's he's got variety on his side. Chikadze, I mean, you know, he's got the giga kick. You know, maybe you give the body kicks to him. Uh, maybe you give head kicks to him. But you, I almost said you might give the speed to Chikadze, but Barboza probably has this fucking fastest kicks in, in the history of MMA, so you got to give the speed to Barboza. But, you know, it, it'll be uh, interesting. And then I don't know how wrestling fits into this. So they're both A-plus strikers in my mind. I have no idea how wrestling factors into this. I mean, I just I don't even have the foggiest idea. I mean, we've really never seen these guys offensively wrestle before. Uh, so that's going to be uh, a bit of an adjustment. Although Barboza does have an 80% takedown defense, which is not too shabby. That's pretty fucking good. 
Um, Barboza, a lot of red, a lot of red. Frankly, a lot of red on his uh, tapology. He's on a two-fight winning streak at featherweight. Some people thought he beat Dan Ige. I would disagree. I think Dan Ige won that fight, but, you know, it was, it was close. It was competitive. And, you know, at lightweight, where a lot of these losses happened, you know, he's fighting the, the cream of the uh, of the crop, you know, fighting Paul Felder, Gaethje, Kevin Lee, Dan Hooker, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov, where he just got fucking smashed. Benio Dariush, Pettis, Gilbert Melendez, Tony Ferguson, Paul Felder a second time, Michael Johnson, Bobby Green fucking Donald Cerrone. I mean, this guy has never had an easy fight in the last seven plus years. I mean, they they, they, they really give him the toughest tests they possibly can. So you kind of got to throw out the wins and losses out the window or or at least consider the fact that, you know, he's fought really, really tough guys. Uh, Chikadze, you know, on one hell of a, a winning streak. Uh, you know, he lost back on the Contender Series to Austin Springer, which is not uh, not a very good loss, not a very good loss, but, you know, it gets a couple of wins on the regional scene, comes to the UFC, two split decision wins over Emmers and Davis, and then, uh, you know, two unanimous decision wins over Irwin Rivera and Omar Morales, and then two first-round finishes against Jamie Simons and Cub Swanson, so he seems to really be turning it up as he uh, gets more comfortable in the UFC. He's also a pretty active fighter as well i mean you know debut was towards the end of 2019 and he has six fights so you know a guy who stays active kind of like edson um so it'll be an interesting uh, matchup here i'm gonna go with giga chikadze to win this one and i'm probably gonna go by unanimous decision uh a finish could happen from from either person i mean they, they both are dangerous strikers but i think they will mind their p's and q's i think it's going to be a very tactical battle between these twos, I don't. I don't think they're going to go balls to the wall. Um, so you know, uh, they, they might be a little patient. They might be a little tentative. But uh, you know, I, I think, I, I think they'll both have their moments. I mean, there's no way that Chikadze just mops the floor with Barboza, and I, I really can't see Barboza just mopping the floor with Chikadze. I think it's going to be competitive, really, no matter which way it goes. But uh, I, I think when it's all said and done. Uh, we'll, we'll go uh, Chikadze by split decision. I'm going to be bold enough to predict a split decision. You know, Barboza has been to a handful of split decisions recently, a lot of them not going his way, and Chikadze has had a couple of split decision wins in his career, so or in the UFC. So, you know, I'm going to put two and two together. I'm going to use a little MMA math here, which oftentimes is incorrect, but, you know, I'm going to say Giga Chikadze by split decision. Uh, and probably a lot of butthurt Edson Barboza fans because anytime Edson loses, uh, people take it uh, very poorly. So, yeah, we'll go with Chikadze by split decision. All right, so with that, we're going to wrap it up here. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.